Do you want to create a profitable course that changes lives? If so, lend me your ears because this is the show for you, where we pull back the curtain on what it really takes to teach and transform, not just your course, but also your business. I am your host, Janelle Allen, and this is the Zen Courses Show. Here we go. What's up, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning into the Zen Courses Show today. My guest is Dominique Broadway, award-winning personal finance expert, founder of DominiqueBroadway.com and online course creator, of course. Dominique, welcome to the Zen Courses Show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. It's always an honor that people want to talk to me and hear my story. (laughs) It's always awesome. Well, I hear good things about you, so I can't wait to dig in. Can you start by telling us a little about yourself and the work that you do? Sure. So as you said, I am a award-winning financial planner, personal finance expert, and essentially I work with millennials, entrepreneurs, and creatives, helping them to understand their finances and helping them to demystify their finances so they can bring all their dreams to reality. So I've been doing it now for about I've had my business for about three or four years, but I've been in the personal finance and financial planning industry now for about mm, 11 years, which makes me sound old, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I read that. And are you in D.C.? Did I read that correctly? I am. I'm in D.C. currently. I'm always traveling somewhere, but that's where I live in Maryland specifically, the D.C. Maryland area. Okay. Originally from the D.C. area or transplant? Um, I'm actually originally from here and I'm relocating (laughs) to Houston in the coming months, which is Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people are moving to Houston. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) DC, I hear, is getting pretty expensive and very different from what it used to be. So very, very different. Yeah. All right. It is time for the rapid five. And you are in luck because these are the new rapid five questions for season three. So are you ready? I am. Excited. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, paper books or audio books? Paper books. Number two, how do you feel about pigeons? Mm -mm, No. No. Just no. Your face was perfect. (laughs) Okay. Number three, what is your favorite condiment? Mm, I just love sauce and I'm a sauce girl. So. Okay. I don't know. Throw some sauce on it. Whatever. Vinegar. Is Is that even a condiment? (laughs) I love vinegar. So just salt. Any sauce. I'm always like the extra sauce person. So just sauce. In general. Okay. Okay. I won't make a reference to the song Too Much Sauce. (laughs) We'll just keep it there. All right. Number four, if you could have one superpower, but no one could know about it, what would it be? Probably ability to see the future. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, take that back. It might be a little scary. Yeah. It might be, um, what is it called? When you can get somewhere in like a second. Teleportation? Teleport that. I'd take that. (laughs) I would take that over the future thing. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. And the last one, what is the hardest lesson you have learned as an entrepreneur so far? Mm. The hardest lesson is uh, the importance of getting over yourself to grow your business. Yeah. Expound. Mm, I would say as entrepreneur, we often get caught up in trying to be perfect And in an effort to be perfect and also being scared of what people will think when you're trying to do something new can destroy your business. And so I had to learn how to get over myself and get over my fear of not just failure, but of criticism to really grow. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. 
So, Dominique, tell us about your journey. How did you come to be, as you call it on your blog, the money therapist? Where where did all this come from? How'd you get here? So I've always been really into personal finance. So I, first of all, I've always been an entrepreneur. Like had my first business prior when I was like six or seven years old, selling bracelets and jewelry and things like that. And then like most entrepreneurs, sold candy in um, middle school and high school and then actually started a um company called Kids Interactive Data Systems, where we taught kids how to use computers in high school. So I've always been an entrepreneur, but I always was really just into making money. And I understood that when you have your own money, you can pretty much do whatever the hell you want to do. And I like that. And so um, (laughs) when I was in high school, I just got really, really interested in money. And not even in a a Mr. Scrooge, like, um, greedy way, but just like I said, understanding that, hey, if I have my own money, I don't have to keep asking my parents for money. And so I was trying to figure out how people were getting rich. And I'm just that nerd kid that's like, how am I going to get rich when I grow up? And so I started reading all these books about investing and and really realized that it was two ways that the rich were getting richer. or A lot of people built their wealth. And well, three, one, you had to come from money and I didn't. Two, you had to, uh, it was either real estate or investing. So I figured Mm -hmm. I would kind of try to learn as much as I can about real estate and investing because you can't change where you came from. So anyway, I just started, got really, really excited about it, majored in banking and finance when I was in undergrad. I really just started asking my parents about like their finances and my grandparents. And by this time, my whole family was doing very well financially, but they still didn't really know a lot about investing. So I had to learn about all that on my own. Uh, went to Bowie State University, which is a historically black college, majored in banking and finance, kind of weaseled my way into an internship at UBS Financial Services. Uh, Originally, I had an internship with Morgan Stanley, which was my dream internship. Mm -hmm. But that summer, about maybe two or three days before I was supposed to go, I found out that they cut the internship program. So I went from Mm -hmm. having my dream internship to no internship. Um, (laughs) Because that's how life usually is. I also towed my car on the same day. So it was was a pretty crappy day. And I ended up just getting, it was like one of those things where they're like, okay, we'll take some of these interns because they don't have anywhere to go. And I ended up getting picked up by this company called UBS Financial Services. And I'm still mad because I wanted to intern at Morgan Stanley, (laughs) but it actually ended up being a blessing in disguise because it was one of the most highly sought after internships in wealth management. I had never heard of this company because they only focused on high net worth clients. So clients that had 10, 20, $30 million in investable assets, which means that that's how much money they actually had to invest. Not in their checking account. This is money that like, they don't even have to touch. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> money that they're letting just grow that they don't have yeah. to look at for years and so that's why i never heard of that company and so i was there for a few years um hopped around to a couple of different firms and um my friends started asking me for financial advice and they were just like what are you doing differently than what we're doing because i had bought my first house at 22 i always had money saved i was traveling and they're like okay so you move from your dorm to this condo, we moved home, you're traveling, we can't afford to go anywhere. What did you do differently? And so, you know, I was kind of giving people, you know, telling them kind of, hey, this is what I did. It's nothing crazy. I was saving. I worked. That's it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they went, when it started wanting to become clients of the firm and you needed to have at least a million dollars. And most of these firms become clients. And some of the other firms I was at on the low end, you had to have 250000 yeah. Clearly, people did not have that. So I just really quit my job one day and Took a couple months off and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Tried to start a few different things and kept praying about it and realized that it was it was finance that I was really passionate about. So ended up starting my company in about a week. And uh, the actual company is called Finances Demystified. And that's kind of how things started. That's my story. Long but That's your story. <laughs> well, I'm curious. I have to ask, what motivated you to quit? Was it you wanted to serve a different audience or was there something else going on? 
two parts. So one, I wanted to serve a different audience. And I felt like okay. I got into personal finance. I always wanted to be a stockbroker. And that's, in the, that's actually what I ended up becoming. I was a stockbroker and financial planner for these high net worth clients. But like I said, because my friends kept asking me for help and I was just like, I can't even help y'all because y'all don't have enough money. How does that mm-hmm. sound? I can't help you because you don't yeah. have enough money. And you say that over and over again. And I realized I wanted to help them. Before I realized that that was really what I was going to do with my life going forward, I was, um, I don't even know if I can say depressed, but I was kind of depressed. I was bored. Like I had bought my house so early. I had a nice car. Like I was living the life and I'm like, all the boxes were checked. All the boxes were everything, but like a husband and kids. And that wasn't even boxes that were open to be checked. But I had, every, I had everything that I that I wanted and I was bored. Like I was so bored and I was just, you know, I didn't want to wake up in the morning. I couldn't get to work on time. I feel like every day all I would do is, you know, come home from work, meet my friends for happy hour, come back home, watch like The Simpsons and Seinfeld or whatever. That was like the order or something that would come in and like go to sleep and do it again. And yeah. I was just bored. And I'm the kind of person like I'm an Aquarius, you know, we're adventurous. We just start stuff. We're entrepreneurs. And I was just like, I am bored. Like I need something else to do. And I've always had been a good saver. So I had saved up about a year's worth of my salary. So quitting wasn't, it wasn't like a financial worry, mm-hmm. but I was just over it and I needed a change. And I felt like I could just continue on this path and be unhappy, but comfortable. Yeah. Or I could just shake shit up a little bit and, you know, see what happens. So I always felt like the worst thing that would happen is, you know, my house would go into foreclosure and my car would get repossessed and I would you know, be homeless. But I didn't want to You say that so nonchalantly. You're like, and, and I'll be homeless. All that yeah. stuff did actually happen. <laughs> so all the things I was like, worst case scenario, I mean, I, my house entered into four, I got it out, but I did go broke actually starting my company and it was able okay. to kind of rebuild. But it still didn't bother me because they were things. But yeah, that's a whole other story. Okay. Okay. No, I like that. I um, I didn't glean any of that from my research. So I love that. All right. Well, that's a good segue into the next question, which is what money tips do you have for people who want to jump into entrepreneurship? Oh, man, I see so many. I think I think the first thing is this. Not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. Being an entrepreneur is trendy right now. It's cute. It's sexy, but as we all know inside, it's not cute. It's not sexy. It's a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. You work more hours than I've ever worked in my entire life. I live in airports pretty much. And you have to understand that it may not be for you. And so a lot of people fail because they're trying to be an entrepreneur because they may see me or someone else like, oh my gosh, she's always jet setting, all that stuff like that. It took a while to get to that point, right? So I would say, make sure you have a kind of self-realization moment and like, do you really want this? Are you willing to lose everything to get something bigger? Like you said earlier, like, wow, you say losing your house or car like that is, you know, it's just, you know, kind of like, oh, if it happens, it happens. That's how I think. But for most people, they're not okay with that instability. I'm okay with it because there's things you can get things. As long as my mind works, I'm good. But at the end of the day, I think outside of figuring out if you can handle it, I think If you feel like you can handle being an entrepreneur, the next thing you need to do is try to save as much as you can before you make that leap full time. Because being an entrepreneur, your months can go up and down. Even if you're working with corporate clients, you could lose a contract. Or if you're doing online sales, sales could dip, you know, for due to the economy or whatever it may be. And so you want to make sure that you have money saved. You know, I say if you, if you can have at least six months saved, that's perfect. If you can do three months, just have something saved. That's so true. And then outside of that, I would say, you know, if you're going to make any big financial moves, 
make those moves before you quit your job. If you want to buy a house, refinance your house, buy a car, get a higher line of credit, get it while you have that proof of income. And I would say the last thing just financially is don't be scared to sell. Salespeople are, or the career of a salesperson is like, oh my God, they're trying to sell me stuff. It's annoying. What you need to realize is that sales is what makes the world go around. If you're not selling, you're failing is what I say. And so a lot of entrepreneurs want to create something, expect people just to run to it, and that ain't how it's going to go. So if you want to succeed financially, you need to make sure that you're comfortable with selling and you have a real strategic sales plan in place so that you're not affected financially when you make that leap. I see exactly why Courtney Sanders said I need to talk to you. Y'all yep. had the same vibe. She came on and she was just dropping, just I like love, you need to oh, do Courtney this. You is did. like my biz bae, my business bestie. She's she's my yes, yeah. yes. All of that is true, and I think it's good to hear that because you're right. Ro- entrepreneurship is romanticized quite a lot, and just to be real, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who play a part in that by putting out stories that make it seem like it is so simple and so easy. And I think it's important for people to hear the real side. Like, for example, I was up until 4 a.m. this morning working on stuff, you know, like that's the real life. (laughs) That is the life. (laughs) I'm home right now and I've probably been gone. I I was trying to count how many planes I've been on the past month. And, you know, I've been gone for most of the time. I'm in the process. I'm selling my condo and I'm you know, Mm -hmm. changing up the business. I'm also part of changing up my personal business. I'm also part of a startup. We're raising money. I got home last night, probably around two or three in the morning from my yeah. yeah. flight from, from Boston. And my first meeting was at like 830. And so yep. that's hard, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's very tiring. And I'll be working the rest of the evening. And I realize everyone else is in holiday mode and I have meetings all day I tomorrow. Know, so <laughs> I just found out it is a holiday. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> but I exactly. I exactly. So before we move on for anyone who's listening, I just want to say there is nothing wrong with saying okay, maybe this isn't for me. I think that that is is powerful to know what your threshold is and and what it isn't. Okay, so we're here to talk about your course, Finances Demystified Bootcamp. Who is it for and what problem does it solve? So the Finances Demystified Bootcamp is more for those people who are okay with like kind of like a self-study program, right? Where you're going to sit down, look at the videos, do the worksheets and apply this stuff to your finances on your own time. It's, you know, for the do-it-yourselfers in a way. And so I created it for the person who always wanted that financial education, but never got it in school. The person who can sit, like I said, sit down and apply this information to their own personal life, but also too to create a product that is at a price point that let's say if you can't afford to to work with me one-on-one or or whatever it may be and you just felt like you want a smaller investment that's what that program is for i created it a couple years ago and we've revamped it quite a few times and just moved it to a new platform and it's really exciting that people just go on you know throughout the month and they're signing (laughs) up and so that's yeah that's pretty much why it was created and who it's for okay so give us a peek inside of what it looks like. What First of all, what is the goal for somebody going in? What are they there to accomplish? So the people that are signing up for bootcamp, they're there to learn everything about personal finance. It's a five-week program, and it also comes with unlimited email coaching as well. So you're still getting that coaching from me only via email. You're going to learn everything from shifting your money mindset, budgeting, saving, to learn about investing. So we're talking about stocks, bonds, mutual funds, options, ETFs, all that stuff. 
You're also going to learn about your credit, how to maintain healthy credit, clean your credit score, increase your credit score, retirement accounts, like Roth IRA, like all that stuff that we should have learned, you're going to learn. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very easy to apply to your own personal life. So it's like, I kind of say, and I hate to use this word throw up, but I feel like I kind of threw up everything that I knew, <laughs> put it into this thing. And I'm like, okay, now you know what I know, right? Gotcha. And so that's really what you learned from this course. And it was so fun to create these videos and handouts and, you know, these action items and just really, really broke it down. Was this your first time building a course? Well, I've made little smaller courses. This is probably the longest course that I've ever made. So yeah. How long did it take you to create it from start to finish? Start to finish. Um, I'll say the very first time that I made it, because I've redone it, because a lot of the content changes with in personal mm-hmm. finance based on rules and stuff like that. I would say start to finish realistically, probably about a month. And okay. not like every day a month. I'm talking like I just took the bits and pieces and, and kind of wrote everything out and then just started recording and creating the content. Okay. So it took me probably about a month to make. Yeah. Cool. So why did you decide to create it? Was it, you know, did you validate this idea with your audience? Were there questions coming? What was the motivation? It was because every now and then I would run into this wall where people were like, oh, you know, I really need, I really need to get my finances together. but I can't afford to work with you one-on-one. Okay, you know? got it. And so I felt like this right here could be that thing that would give people access to me plus the information at a little price point. In addition to that, it was an effort for me to kind of start packaging a little bit of my genius, quote unquote, so that it could sell by itself. Also, too, from a revenue standpoint. So it was one, demand, but two, business sales. Okay. So what kind of challenges did you have? Since this was your first big course, what were some challenges that you ran into? Um, I would say customer support. So, you know, you create these courses. And this is before I put it. My course is on Teachable now. Before I put it on Teachable, it was a combination of like videos on a webinar jam or something. Okay, like that. yeah, yeah. I thought it was called something else back then. <laughs> it was called something else back That's in the thing. day, and they changed their name. So it was like customer support people, like they can't see the videos, they couldn't find the emails because it was like an email thing that would go out every week and tell them what they needed to do. Gotcha. You know, just stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I was not prepared for the technical <laughs> issue. Um, so that was a thing. Probably one of the one of the challenges. And then I think outside of that was kind of recording the videos. I had some hiccups there, you know, with lighting and all those things. Yeah. So those are just some of the things that I, I think I ran into. Okay. So because your course is about money, personal finance, that's very personal. And people bring a lot of emotions into that. So how do you navigate that? How do you plan for that when you have a course? Are there roadblocks that you know people are going to hit? And if so, how do you deal with that? I think with even though they're watching videos, for me, it was kind of making sure to express that you're taking this course and you're not defined by your finances. Mm. You know what I mean? Like finances are important, but... If you're lacking or if you've messed up financially, that doesn't define you. And so I think making sure that with each video that you got that vibe, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like you're learning, you're going to apply this, especially like the credit one. It's like people mess up with their credit. Credit scores go up and down. Your credit score drop. You're not a bad person. Most people do not not pay a bill because they just like, I'm not going to pay my bills. It's because they don't have the Mm -hmm. money. You know what I'm saying? Most people, they have the money, they're going to pay their bills. And so I think just making sure from an emotional standpoint, you know, for a lot of people, it's a big thing. Like I'm taking this step. I'm admitting that I messed up 
and I need to make this change. So I just want to always want to make sure that that's coming through in the video, that that kind of empathy in a way. Gotcha. So what kind of activities do you have in the course? So there's a lot of activities, you know, focused around like money mindset, really figuring out what was your first experience with money and, and having people think about like, what was it like as a kid growing up with money in our household and thinking about those experiences? And a lot of times people think about that and they're like, gosh, like I've had this issue since I was like eight, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's never gone away. And there's other little things like when it comes to investing, kind of doing that activity of, of tracking the products and services that you use throughout the week. So it's kind of helped determine what stocks to invest in now that you understand about stocks. So really just trying to make it something that's easy to implement and something that's like super down to earth and people are like, okay, I can look around my house right now and say, okay, I buy stuff from Target. I have one an Apple Watch. You know, it's like, oh, I get this. And now I understand how stocks work. Now I can go and make these purchases. So that's some of the activities. I like that. So you're connecting it to the real world for them. So they're 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 looking at their life and seeing how these principles apply. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Now, is most of it through worksheets? Do you use a lot of worksheets, or h- how does that go down? A few worksheets, a lot of videos. Um, there's also just I'm an action item person, so there's like <laughs> homework you have to have. Gotcha. You know, and also I'm a big resource person, so having like those clickable links that will take you to this resource so you can immediately instantly implement what you're learning, I think is really important. So it's kind of a combination of, of all that. Okay. So like you said, it's been two years, right? You, you created it about two years. Knowing what you know now, is there anything you would, you would change if you were to go back and do it again? I would say the biggest thing I would change is when I initially launched it, I would have had a stronger marketing plan. and a referral system in place at the time. I've done that with relaunches. With my initial launch, I launched it just to my existing audience and email list, which did fine. But I have more marketing skills now than I did then or, or online marketing skills, I would say. I would have created a stronger marketing strategy and then I would have um, also, like I said, created a referral program as well and used a lot of my existing relationships to help market this, the program. So that's one thing I would do. And I would definitely recommend that you take the time, put as much time as your marketing plan as, as you do into your content. So let's talk about that for a second, because that's a big question for a lot of course creators. How do I market my course? What do I do? So when you started the first time, you said you just marketed to your email list. Yes. So just strictly email marketing. Well, email and um, social media. So really okay. just reaching out to the existing email audience and the existing social media. I mean, I don't even think Facebook ads were around <laughs> three, four years ago. I don't think so. Right? Okay. I, don't think so. I, don't <laughs> I have no idea. I don't even think you could do an ad. I think if they were, they were just starting. Yeah. And, and I think you have that like gradually or kind of pulling it out. So that type of ads and stuff I didn't do. So I just only did current social media plus um, email lists. Email. Mm-hmm. What performed better for you? I would say probably the email list because they were already there and engaged. Mm-hmm. My social media audience at the time was good. Now I'm kind of more known for that, but it was still like a little bit of my personal social media plus a little bit of business. So it was like yeah. friends, you know what I mean? Versus now my social media is like, you're following me because it's personal finance. So it's different. So I would say my email list was probably the, the better source at the time. Okay. And so then with future iterations, you begin to form relationships and have referrals as part of your marketing strategy. Is there anything else you added to the mix? 
Yeah. So creating payment plans really help as well. Also, even sometimes doing like a co-package type of situation where Mm -hmm. someone is launching their thing and it's like, hey, you can also get my boot camp for free by signing up. You know, so little things like that. So co-marketing type of agreements helped as well. And now obviously with ads that helps. I think is there anything else that, that changed? I think those are probably... The biggest things that have have changed so far. Okay, so now I'm going to ask the same thing. Now that you're doing different things, what is performing the best for you? I would say sales funnels. Just having like a funnel where you know they're getting that free content and then they are opted to to purchase. Yeah, I would say sales funnels right now because I'm not actively marketing that specific program. Like when I used to do it, I would do a launch. Like okay. You have to sign up in June. After that, it's done for the year. I don't do that anymore. So now it's an ongoing program. You can sign up at any time. So I think now it's just also making it an ongoing program has been great too, because sometimes people aren't ready. So I would do those programs, do that, especially with finances is a big mind shift. It's like, okay, now I'm ready to take control, you know? (laughs) Um, And so we would do a launch in like, let's say May. And we would get sometimes 20 people emailing like, oh, I'm not ready. I don't have money. When are you going to do it again? You know? And so now it's like, whenever you're ready, it's there. Right. So I would say that has helped a lot for me. You know, a lot of people do their, their launches, you know, throughout the year. But for me, that has helped just because I realize people have to be ready to change their finances or make that move. Yeah, I think you make a good point because I, I always, I actually just had a conversation about sales funnels and I talked about it from the standpoint of if big launches aren't for you as a creator, sales funnels are a great way for you to have that recurring revenue and not deal with the pressure and intensity and just exhaustion of those big launches. But you make a good point of it's also about the subject matter in your course. If it's something that you know people need a mindset shift to get to a place where they're ready to start, then it kind of makes sense for them to be able to be on their schedule and not yours. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you said, it does depend on that content. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So before we get into the final three questions, are there any final tips that you want to share with the audience, either about creating courses or managing money? I would say if you want to create a course, create it. I think so many people are, I meet people all the time, like, I want to create this course. I want to create this course. I was actually meeting with two of my friends who are on the podcast with me and we were having this conversation and I'm like, y'all need to make these courses. What are you waiting for? <laughs> and so I sat down with them and mapped it out and they're like, oh my gosh, this isn't as complicated as I thought, you know? So take the time. And the one thing you have to realize is that no one knows what you're talking about better than you. So just get it out and don't worry about getting the fanciest camera, the fanciest everything. Even my my course now, I redid all the videos on my computer and they look professionally done just because I did a really good job editing and I did the editing and I was showing them. They were like, holy crap, this looks great. So I would say if there's something that you want to do, do it. Don't wait because there's never going to be a perfect time. I would say start. Just start. I agree. I agree. I don't have anything else to say. So we're down to the final three questions. First one is an easy one. What is next for you, Dominique? Anything exciting coming up? So much. Um, I think the biggest thing is we're launching like this month long program starting in August. I'm really, really excited about which will be free content for personal finance, but also entrepreneur. Um, we do like a whole entrepreneur week as well. So I'm really excited about, about that and launching some new just like programs and accountability groups and trying to help more people reach their goals. So those we have some exciting things launching there and, you know, new website, just a whole new brand refresh that I'm excited about. So, yeah, those are some of the biggest things I would say. 
Okay, nice. Where can people find out about you and your work? Yeah, so my website is just DominiqueBroadway.com. On Instagram, I'm at Dominique Broadway. That's where I am most of the time. And Twitter, MS Finance Coach. Those are pretty much the main places we are. We also have an awesome Facebook accountability group called Millennial Wealth Builders on Facebook. It's free to join. Um, We're about to be doing a bunch more content in there as well. So you can find me one of those places. Okay, perfect. All right. Last question. What is your why? Why do you get up and do this work every day? I think my why is because I feel like I've been really blessed and fortunate to learn about a topic that people need, you know? And I I think for me, some days are really rough. It's not the sexiest topic in the world. I'm talking about money. It's not that fun. I'm not, and I'm talking to people about managing money and fixing money, not even making money. When I get on the phone with a client or whoever, and they're just like, oh my gosh, like I feel so relieved after talking to you. Or I feel like I can finally make this goal or dream happen because now I get my money. That's what it's all about. And for me, hoping that that can start creating generational wealth, especially amongst African-Americans, but everyone in general, like hopefully it can change their mindset so that they can take their money and use it as a tool. Because money isn't everything, but at the end of the day, it's something that we all need. So it is kind of everything, right? Not in a greedy way, but you you need money to eat. You need money to live. You need money to, to do everything. Yeah, and yeah. so I think for me, that's really my why. Just really helping to remove the financial stress, but also the lack of education that surrounds money. So people can start living the lifestyle that they want on their own terms. All right. Dominique, thank you so much for being here and sharing. And I can't wait to share this with everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Dominique. If you're looking for the show notes, you can find them at zencourses.co slash 060. You'll find a recap of the episode plus a link to Dominique's course and info. All of the helpful links that you need will be over at that URL. So once again, that is zencourses.co slash 060 for episode 60, which this was. All right, it is that time. As always, thank you so much for hanging out with me for another episode. I value your time and listenership. I am Janelle Allen, and this has been the Zen Courses Show. Until next time.